Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. I am so excited that you are with us today as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke. Today's episode is perhaps the most important in our study of this long gospel, because today we're going to be asking a question, what is the main message of St. Luke's gospel? And kind of right along with that, what is the gospel? What do we mean by the gospel? And here's a third question, what is evangelism? We've heard about the new evangelism or the old evangelism or any kind of evangelism. What is it? And it's interesting that the answer is the same for all three questions. In other words, what's evangelism? Or what is the gospel? Or what is the main message of St. Luke's gospel? I'll even go a step further. What is the main message of all four gospels? And it can be put into a simple sentence. I'm going to start with a verse from Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. And it goes like this, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom is preached. Now, I'm going to ask you to stay with me. Don't don't kind of just tune me out. We're going to have to look at the Greek, and I am not doing this to be, you know, a fancy-dancy teacher with Greek. You probably noticed, like, when it comes to Latin titles of encyclicals, I give you the English titles because I want it to be as easy to understand as possible. But this is something, for instance, when you look at the Greek New Testament at this verse, Luke 16, 16, it's as obvious as day is what it's saying, but you it doesn't convey when you bring it over to English. So I'm going to try to do that for you, but first I am going to give you a Greek verb, and it's going to sound very familiar. It's the word euangelizo. It's the word that we get to evangelize from, or it's noun evangelism, or one who conducts evangelistic preaching. So we go back to Luke 16. It says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the kingdom of God is euangelizo. The kingdom of God is evangelized. The kingdom of God is preached, because what is preaching? It's it's talking about declaring the good news. It's evangelizing, but the content of evangelizing, and we get the same word gospel, because to proclaim the gospel is this same verb, euangelizo. It's talking about proclaiming the gospel, and it's very simple. What this says, the good news of the kingdom is preached. The good news of the kingdom, euangelizo, is declared. And this is the main message. This is going to be, I'm not hiding, you don't have to wait to the end of this broadcast to find out what is the main message of the entire gospel of Luke. And Couple that with Matthew, Mark, and John, and it's this. The main message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is king 
of the world and Lord of every single nation of the world. The gospel is a simple declaration of Christ as king and that his kingdom has come in the person of Jesus, and that's the main theme of all four gospels. Now, it wasn't too long ago, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, the Catholic Church had a huge evangelism conference in Orlando, Florida, brought people in from all over the United States to talk about evangelism. And one of the primary documents for this National Catholic Conference on Evangelism was entitled Living as Missionary Disciples. And I looked this booklet up yesterday, and it had a section of the booklet, What is Evangelism? And guess what? There wasn't a single mention of the kingdom of God or the kingship of Christ in all the descriptions of what evangelism is. In other words, and I hate to say this, but it missed it 100%. And I know I've missed this for decades, studying the Gospels and missed the main point. Do you want to hear what true evangelism is? Let me just take you to Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. This is true evangelism. It says, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. That's evangelism. And what happened is there was a direct confrontation between earthly powers and God's kingdom who had that had come to earth in the person of Jesus. And it wasn't turning the world upside down. The world is upside down. Ever since the original sin in Genesis, the world's been upside down. And Jesus came to put the world back right. That's what evangelism is, and at his heart is that, no, you don't call the shots. You don't determine right and wrong. You don't determine... Uh, what is true and untrue. No, God does because God is God. You're a human being. And the kingship of Jesus isn't just something for the personal belief. This is a universal proclamation. This is how to turn the world right side up. Now, here's a question for you. We're in this this church year concentrating on St. Luke's gospel and really, we're, we're really nearing the end already of the church year. So my question is, how many times have you heard of the kingship of Jesus over the past, say, 10 months? This is the main message of the Gospel of Luke, that Jesus Christ is king and that his kingdom has come. How many times have you heard it? Uh, why are we missing this? Why would a national conference miss this when it describes evangelism? Because again, right back to Luke 16, 16, the euangelizo, to evangelize, is to declare the kingdom of God. Point blank. That's it. 
That's the essence of the message of St. Luke's gospel. That's what the gospel means is to proclaim the kingdom, and that's what evangelism is. Now, I'm just going to give you a few of the things that are present in the gospel of Luke. And I did a search, and by the way, I'm, I'm willing to send you the three pages of my search, and it'll be a PDF handout. Just send a request to askthehost at gmail.com. This is episode 255 of Faith and Family. Just say, I need the kingdom verses from the Gospel of Luke. Just listen to a few of these. Luke 1.33, he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And the devil took him up, this is from Luke 4, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. The good news, the gospel of the kingdom, I was sent for this purpose. And he lifted up his eyes, this is from chapter 6, on his disciples and said, Blessed are you, you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. From chapter 7, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet one who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Chapter 8, soon afterward, he went through all the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news. That's evangelizing the kingdom of God. Chapter 10, and he said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. As Christians, we're not supposed to keep the kingdom secret. This is what we are declaring. Christ is king, and his kingdom has come in the person of Jesus. Chapter 9, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. This is the essence of evangelism. Chapter 11, and when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God. From chapter 9 again, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Again from chapter 9, Jesus said to them, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow, it's just to me, it's incredible once you see this, how profound the miss is as far as what we're trying to do in evangelism and what we define the gospel as. Jesus said in chapter 10, heal the sick and say, the kingdom of God has come near you. Chapter 11, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I just gave you a portion of one page, and I have three pages of these just from the gospel of Luke on the kingdom, and yet we seem to be able to miss this profoundly. And not only, these are just direct references to the kingdom. I haven't even mentioned king, but here's, here's one of the things that's um, so easy to miss. In, in Luke, and remember, Luke has this universal approach. He's not just concerned for the 12 tribes of Israel. He's concerned 
for the entire world, which includes the Gentiles. So in Luke, we find that Jesus, when he sends out the disciples, sends out 70. Now, why would he send out 70? Because in Genesis chapter 10, after the dispersion of the peoples from the Tower of Babel, you had the origin of the 70 nations of the world. And when Jesus sends out his disciples two by two, 70 of them, what is he doing? This is saying this is to be the universal proclamation to all nations of the world about what? Christ is king and his kingdom has come. And this is how it goes in Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others, two by two. And whenever you enter a town, he said, heal the sick and say to them, what do you say? What do you guess you say? The kingdom of God has come near you. Seventy disciples to representing the proclamation of the kingdom to all nations of the world. Dr. N.T. Wright, an Anglican scholar, regarded as many as the premier English-speaking scripture scholar in the world and maybe of any language at this point in time in history, this is what he says, the central theme of all four gospels is how God became king in and through Jesus. Now listen to this. The Western tradition has failed even to glimpse, let alone preach, this central theme. The synoptic writers, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are not inviting their readers merely to contemplate Jesus as the one who dies so that sinners may be forgiven. That's important. But they are invoking one of the primary scripture passages in which Israel's God, Yahweh, establishes his sovereignty over the whole world. Now, what is that important scripture passage? That important scripture passage is Isaiah 52, verse 7. And everything in the New Testament that we talk about the gospel or evangelism comes from Isaiah 52, 7. And we have in the Septuagint, which was the Greek Old Testament, it's very easy then to compare the Greek Old Testament with the Greek New Testament. And wouldn't you know, what we find for evangelism or proclaiming the gospel, like in Luke 16, 16, it's the same word in Isaiah 52, 7 that we find in Luke, euangelizo. And here it is. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, the gospel, who publishes peace, who brings good tidings of good. This is the noun for evangelism, who publishes salvation. And what is the content of evangelism? What is the content of the gospel prophesied in Isaiah? Very simple. Two words, um, perhaps in Hebrew, three words in English, your God reigns. That's your God is king. That's it. Now, does this have any application in New Testament? Yes. 
the epistle to Romans, which a lot of people think is just something Paul wrote to have theological debates over over the centuries, is essentially an evangelistic gospel. And by evangelistic, I'm talking about declaring the kingship of Christ over the nations. And in Romans 10, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But Paul says, how are they going to call upon him whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him whom they never heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And now the zinger, Romans 10 and verse 15, and how can men preach unless they are sent as it is written? Written where? Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful are the feet of those evangelizing or who preach good news. And what is that good news that make the beautiful feet of the one going around throughout the world proclaiming it? Your God reigns. The Jewish Messiah has become the king of the world. It was prophesied in Isaiah 52, 7. It was announced in the Gospels and then you have St. Paul, like a fanatic, going around through the known world, preaching the gospel according to the first chapter of his epistle to the Romans to bring about the obedience of the nations. To what? To what? The kingship of Christ over the nations. We have in Luke 23, the sign of the cross. Now, granted that Pilate and the soldiers were making a huge mockery of Jesus proclaiming to be the Messiah, but what was the title on his cross? This should be a neon lights because the title on the cross not only tells us what the cross was doing, but the entire gospel is a declaration. And it is. This is the king of the Jews. The kingship of Jesus, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, is Jesus Christ. The king has come. His kingdom has come. And here it is. The humiliation of the cross was the paradoxical means by which Jesus, the Messiah, became king of the world. And we proclaim the cross. We talk about evangelism. We have conferences on evangelism. We preach the gospels every single Sunday and yet we miss so often, including myself for so many years, what the essence of it's all about, that Christ is king of the world. I mean, literally king of the world, and not just the king of your heart, the king of the nations of the world. You know, one of the things that really nails this, though, if you really want to nail it, and I would encourage printing it out, are the words to the Alleluia Chorus. Um, the, the Messiah, the Alleluia Chorus, gets it. And in, in the Alleluia Chorus, and you may not have picked a lot of this up, but it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those proclaiming. Euangelizo, the good news, your God reigns. It, it, before it gets to the, the, the uh, climax of the Hallelujah Chorus, it talks about Psalm 2 that God establishes his son as king over the world. And if you want to know the future of the United States and all of the countries in the Western world that have not formally recognized the kingship of Jesus, the Alleluia Chorus or Psalm 2 will tell you exactly what's in our future. And it's very sobering. 
And then finally, you have the climax. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever, king of kings and lord of lords. That's what St. Luke is about. That's what St. John is about. St. Mark is about. St. Matthew is about, is the coming of the kingdom, and is declared in the gospel. Now, bring this to the modern world, probably the most neglected encyclical of the past two centuries is the encyclical Quas Primus, and it's on the kingship of Christ. It was uh, published by Pope Pius XI in 1925. I call it the forgotten encyclical. And uh, I even challenge you to find this uh, encyclical in a Catholic bookstore. You might be very hard-pressed to find a copy, but you can get an online copy at EWTN's website. But in it, on the Quas Primus, the kingship of Christ, this is what Pius XI says. His empire includes not only Catholic nations, truly the whole of mankind is subject to the power of Christ. Nor is there any difference in this matter between the individual, the family, or the state. For all men, whether collectively or individually, are under the dominion of Christ. Now, the modern world, including modern Catholics, don't have a clue about this. And I'm talking in generalizations. I realize individuals do. But here are the consequences. You want to know what's gone wrong with the modern world and it seems to be spinning out of control? Listen to this. With God and Jesus Christ excluded from political life with authority derived not from God but from man, you know, like we the people versus from God above, the result is that human society is tottering to its fall because it no longer has a secure and solid foundation. Now, what is the culmination of rejecting God's kingship over a nation, a culture, and a society? The best place I know of in the Bible is from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Judges, chapter 17, verse 6. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, okay? No authority, no overriding authority. So every man did what was right in his own eyes. To me, you can fast forward that ancient text from Judges 17, 6 to today. Every man does what is right in his own eyes. In my estimation, the most profound evaluation of where we have come to as a society and culture, apart from the kingship of Christ, was written in a wicked, evil U.S. Supreme Court decision written by a Catholic justice, Kennedy, in the Casey decision reaffirming Roe versus Wade. But even though this is wicked, I believe he puts his finger exactly what ails our society, not just the peripheries. I'm talking about the very core. And this is what he wrote in the Casey 
Casey decision. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of life. In other words, all truth, the notion of who you are as a person, because where does all this transgender stuff come from where people decide if they want to be a man or a woman? And then that's it's part of this exalted liberty apart from any notion of having God over us, of existence, of meaning, of life. So he says the controlling word in the Casey case before us is liberty. The woman's right to terminate her pregnancy is a rule of law and a component of liberty we cannot renounce. You see, where does this come from? Well, as Christians, we're to be salt and light. And coming back to Dr. N.T. Wright in his book, How God Became King, he says this, Despite centuries of intense study of all sorts on the features of the Gospels, we have often managed to miss the main thing, that they, all four of them, are most eager to tell us. What we need is not just a bit of fine-tuning, an adjustment here and there. We need a fundamental rethink about what the Gospels are trying to tell us. If we can be salt and light, even to people within the Catholic Church, and declare the gospel of Christ as king over all nations of the earth, who knows what would come? But the content, the way to turn the upside-down world right side up is to proclaim that Jesus Christ is king of king and lord of lords. And perhaps you never know, but the constitutional amendment that was proposed in 1874 1896, 1910, 1954, and 1962 might be brought before us again. That constitutional proposed amendment said, we the people of the United States, humbly acknowledging Almighty God as the source of all authority and power in civil government, the Lord Jesus Christ as the ruler among nations, his revealed will as the supreme law of the land in order to constitute a Christian government in order to form a more perfect union. Now, you're not going to hear that in public schools, and unfortunately, probably not in most parochial schools, but we need to start evangelizing. We need to start proclaiming the gospel. Jesus Christ is king and that his kingdom has come. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 255 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.